Well, good morning. It is good to see everybody in the room today as we kick off our summer family worship series. And just so I will know, I wanna know where my, my little people are, okay? So if you're fifth grade or under, raise your hand. Let me see where you are, okay, over here. All right, fifth grade, under, I see you. Okay, thank you, I see that hand, okay. All over the place. We wanna say a special welcome to our preschool and elementary children as we're all together uh, for the next few Sundays. And uh, I want you to know, we talk a lot about the word disciple here, and especially making disciples at Fruit Cove Baptist Church. But do we have a firm understanding, a firm grasp of what a disciple is and does? For our summer family worship series, we're gonna dive into that word, disciple. And we are going to see what it means to be one, what it means to make more disciples, and what it means to send them out according to God's word. And we wanna start with a baseline understanding, a definition, if you will, of disciple. Hopefully you picked up one of these discipleship pathways on your way into the worship center. If not, make sure you grab one. We have plenty for you to take on your way out. And on the back of this uh, little booklet is a definition, our working definition of a disciple. And this is what it says. A disciple is one who acts and thinks like Christ, one who recognizes and responds to the will of God. When we hear that word disciple, no doubt there are some images, some connotations that come to mind immediately. And for some of us, that image may look a little bit like this. It's not a bad image, and uh, you know, there's a cartoon picture of the 12 disciples. However, some of us may immediately go to a picture like this one. All right, so no matter what comes to mind when we think of the 12 disciples, now, we know that those guys were important. Without them, we would not be where we are today, but there's more to that word. We're not just talking about the 12 disciples. You see, at the start of our time together, we heard a reading of the Great Commission. She did a, a great job, right, of starting our worship service off by reading that passage. And from that text, we see that we, individuals, Christ followers, are supposed to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're supposed to make other disciples. And then as a church or a, a community of believers, a fellowship, we're supposed to send disciples out so that we can multiply that process. I'd like to spend a few minutes of our time together learning about a young disciple named Timothy. Now, Timothy was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter one. If you have your copy of God's word, please turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter one, verse one. And here's what God's word says. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. Let's pause there. We understand this is a letter. Now we, we know it as one of the books in our Bible, but this is a personal letter from Paul to his good friend, his beloved friend, Timothy. The letter continues, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. Father, we are in this place and uh, we have been privileged to sing to you, for you alone are worthy of that praise. And God, uh, we just read from your holy word. And my prayer over the next few minutes is that you would help us understand the grandparents and parents and sons and daughters you have called us to be, the disciples that you have called us to be. Help us leave this place with a better understanding of that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From these verses, we get a glimpse into the importance of a family where faith in Jesus is passed on to the next generations. Now, let me pause and say, don't misinterpret that. What I'm not saying, and what this text certainly is not saying, is just because you're born into a Christian family means you inherit that Christian faith. That is not true. But by being a Christian family, a faith that can become personal because of family discipleship. From this passage, I believe that we see a few traits of a disciple. And the first one is a disciple has a faith that is evident. It's evident that the gospel changed Paul's life. In verse one, he states his name, then goes right into stating that he is an apostle of Christ Jesus. It's who he was. It was part of his identity. It was evident that he was all in for Jesus. Now, we live deep in SEC and ACC country, don't we? And this is where, after the question of what's your name, what's your job, usually the third question is what's your favorite college football team? Now, for Paul, his identity was not wrapped up in his job. It wasn't wrapped up in his family, and it was not wrapped up in his favorite chariot racing or college football team. His identity was in Jesus Christ. He displayed a faith that was evident. We also see that a disciple has a faith that dwells. Look at verse five. Paul shares insight on two individuals who had major impact in the spiritual life of Timothy. He refers to his mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois. How many of us know or can remember our mothers and grandmothers? Let me see your hands, okay, that, that's most of us. I had some, some great conversation with my mother. She was in town last weekend, had a good visit, and one of the conversations centered around her mother, um, my grandmother, and uh, I refer to her as Gami, and uh, have some great memories of, of Gami. She's not with us anymore, but also have some great memories of my dad's mother, Grandma. Growing up, both of my grandmothers lived in Texas, and uh, that was our vacation, uh, was taking a couple weeks to, to go from uh, wherever we were living, whether it's Wyoming, West Virginia, Virginia at the time, to Texas for vacation. 
And let me tell you, I, I can remember a lot of things about those vacations growing up, but I definitely remember it, was, it wasn't hot. As I described it in the 930 service, it was hot, like eight H's hot, okay? And if you've ever been to Texas, you know how hot it can get on a Texas summer day. Now, it gets hot here, but it gets hot in Texas. And I can remember growing up on those vacations, going to my grandmother's house on Lisbon uh, Street there in uh, West Fort Worth, reaching into her refrigerator, and without doubt, it was always fully stocked with ice-cold Dr. Pepper. And let me tell you, moms and dads, grandmas, granddads, you'll, you'll remember the, the kind that had the peel-back pop-top. Remember those? Those just tasted better for some reason. Um, and I'm convinced that her refrigerator was probably two or three degrees away from these, these bad boys freezing. They were so cold. But on that hot summer day, I remember my grandmother uh, just encouraged me to go to the refrigerator and getting this refreshing drink to cool me off. Now, Gami, my mom's mom, also lived in Fort Worth on the other side of town. She always had a freezer stocked with Bluebell ice cream, okay? And this was back in the dark ages when you could only get Bluebell in Texas. Now, God has been good to us in recent years, and he has, he has let Bluebell uh, shift to the southeast, and, and uh, you can go to our, a local grocery store today and pick up some Bluebell, and I hope you do. Um, but one of my grandmother's favorite flavors has become my favorite flavor, and it's cookies and cream. And uh, Agami had Bluebell ice cream on a hot summer Texas day. And wouldn't you know it, this year, uh, Bluebell, uh, for some reason, decided to honor my grandmother's, and they have come up with the Dr. Pepper float Bluebell flavor of ice cream. And uh, I shared in the first service and got a lot of response. I actually had a manager of a, a, a local uh, dairy department in a grocery store saying, hey, I'm going to look out for you. Uh, but I shared, and, and I'll share with you too, if, if you're around the area and you see that Dr. Pepper float Bluebell flavor in the freezer, just Jonathan at fruitcove.com, okay? <laughs> Friends, help a brother out. And uh, because I have yet to see it on the shelves of our local grocery stores. And I don't know if they're keeping it all in Texas or if it's coming this way. But if you see some, shoot me an email. We'll get a team on the way and, and we'll buy it all out, okay? So I'm still waiting on that letter of thanks uh, from Bluebell for my grandmother's inspiration on that flavor. But you know what? My grandmothers also love Jesus. They enjoyed providing refreshment on a hot summer day in Texas, but they loved and lived for Jesus as well, just like Eunice and Lois that we read about here in the New Testament. Eunice and Lois had a faith that dwelt in them first, and then what does Paul say? He says, I'm, I'm convinced, I am sure that it dwells in you now, Timothy. Backing up a bit in the text, I love how we begin to see this special relationship between Paul and Timothy. You see, they, they had spent years together in ministry, and you may think that the letter 1 Timothy was sent, and then shortly after, 2 Timothy was sent. Um, first of all, Paul didn't call it 1 Timothy. That's what we call it. It was a letter. That was the first letter, and then he sent another letter to Timothy. Uh, but it didn't happen back to back. Most biblical scholars believe there were at least four to eight years that passed 
between the writing of First Timothy letter and Second Timothy letter. So put that in perspective. Think about the last four years of your life. What has happened in four years? Yeah, I know the Georgia Bulldogs, I know that's two national championships, I know that's the first thought that comes to mind, but what else has happened in the, the last four, Atlanta Braves, yes, four years, there's a lot more, a lot more that's happened in your life, good, bad, confusing. Now, let's stretch that out to the last eight years. Man, that's a lot of life, isn't it? A lot of life has happened. Births, deaths, sicknesses. So that gives us context for the space between these two letters. And there's some more context to talk about. You see, Paul is writing this from prison in Rome. I was visiting our church plant partner who lives near Rome a year and a half ago, and we were in uh, the Forum area of Rome, and we went to Mamertim. Mamertim is uh, the place Paul was imprisoned just before his execution. He knew he was at the end of his life and he wrote one last letter to his protege. And we were able to stand in the very place in Mamertim where scholars think that letter was penned. It was pretty powerful. So he was at the end of his life and he, he writes this one last letter to his protege. It's basically his last will and testament. And I don't know about you, but if I have an opportunity to write one last letter to a loved one, to a family member, to a friend, what am I gonna include in there? I'm gonna include the things that are very important for me to pass along. And so again, context of this letter is important. In chapter three, the same letter, 2 Timothy, Paul speaks again of Timothy's mother and grandmother, Eunice and Lois, picking up in verse 14 of chapter three. Paul says this, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So this, this faith that dwells was rooted in scripture. We don't know a lot about Timothy's father, his earthly dad, but we do know he was Greek, and that's about it. We know that his mother and grandmother were Jewish, Eunice and Lois, and we know that they taught him the scriptures of the Old Testament, and God's word came to life and changed Timothy's life. We also see that a disciple has a, faith, is, has a faith enabled by the Holy Spirit. Look at verse six. We see that as a follower of Jesus, we now have access to power through the Holy Spirit, which leads us to a posture of power. But it doesn't stop there. Love and self-control. Power not for ourself, but in, through, and for the sharing of the gospel. How do we know that? Because keep reading from here, Paul speaks of not being ashamed of the gospel. Following the pattern of the sound words, the sound teaching he has given Timothy and with the help of the Holy Spirit, guarding all that knowledge and understanding. In these passages, we see how disciples made and sent other disciples. These were real people living in real places, 
living real lives. Lois was a disciple, one who thought and acted like Jesus, one who recognized and responded to God on a daily basis. Eunice, her daughter, also became a disciple. And together, they lived lives that reflected Jesus. They taught young Timothy the scriptures to the point that he became a disciple of Jesus himself. At some point in his church planning journey, Paul meets Timothy. Now, Timothy was already a follower of Jesus due to the impact of his mother and grandmother, but Paul identifies and enlists Timothy to be the leader of the church at Ephesus. And here, Paul takes on a deepening discipleship role for Timothy. He serves as a mentor, a leader to Timothy. And together, Paul and Timothy were an early force in the church, making and sending disciples just as they were sent. You see, it's, it's cyclical. And here's, here's an important thing to realize this morning. The church, capital C, is God's plan A for the redemption and salvation of mankind. There is no plan B. The church is plan A. There is no plan B. B, make send disciples. Let's say that together. B, make, send disciples. One more time. B, make, send disciples. This morning, I want us to take a look at our preschool and children's ministry areas. I think it's very fitting that the text uh, that we are looking at of Eunice and Lois no doubt had big impact into young Timothy in his preschool and elementary age years. And I want to share some numbers with you that I hope just are incredible, incredibly good this morning. Here's the first one, 429, I want you to remember that. Since January, there have been 429 individual preschoolers come to our church on a Sunday morning. 429 unique individual preschoolers. That same time frame, since January, we have had 472 elementary children come to our church on a Sunday. For you math whizzes and accountants, that adds up, you know, 901 total. Fifth grade and down. 901 individual preschoolers and children. Last Sunday alone in our babies class, we had 30 babies. You ever seen 30 babies all together? They're taking over. Watch out, guys. Here they come. And it's a good thing. 30 Babies, these two ministry areas are exploding in growth. Kids, stand up for me. You guys are doing so good this morning. Stand up if you're fifth grade or below. Wave to me. All right. Look at them. Okay. And, and we had, we had uh, our 930 hours packed out as well. Guys, th this is not the church of the future. This is the church of today. And we've got to realize that. We need more leaders. We need more space. Our community, and not to get into the politics of it, but our community got some news uh, this week from the local NFL football team, the Jaguars. It was always the Jacks, always. And we saw their stadium of the future. Now, again, I don't know where you land on that, uh, but I will just say that that will be pretty cool for downtown Jacksonville in North, Northeast Florida, if, if they're able to pull that off. We will see. 
And I shared with the 930 crowd, and I'll, I'll say it again, and I didn't talk to Pastor Heath between services. I, I didn't tell anybody I was gonna share this, and so hopefully I don't get in trouble. But I, I, stadium, stadium of the future is one thing, but let me paint a picture uh, for something a little closer to home. Just weeks before COVID hit, we were preparing a presentation for you, Fruitco Baptist Church, to present a beautiful, brand new, two-story kids ministry building. It was gonna be located where the portables are right now. It was gonna be gorgeous. And let me just say that COVID may have delayed plans like that, but let me also say, I don't think they've derailed plans like that. Because Fruco Baptist Church, we just, I just showed you a snapshot. The kids are here and they're coming. I can't wait till we stand before you at some point and say, here's the kids ministry building of the future for Fruco Baptist Church. Guys, we do not anticipate any slowdown in growth. Here's the deal, our our space, our, our, our portables, I want you to change the vernacular, are now known as the villas, okay? They've been painted, they've been carpeted, they're beautiful inside. Still temporary, but they buy us some time. As a matter of fact, we'll be using them at Vacation Bible School this week, and in the near future, they will house our fifth grade connect groups on Sundays. But I'll, I want us to realize, our church has been flat out blessed by the number of preschool and children part of our church on a regular basis. And uh, one of my favorite parts of Discover Fruit Cove, this is the class that we do for guests and new members. Some of you have been a part of this class before. But one of my favorite classes of, of that series is the last class where we do a campus tour. And one of my favorite spots on the tour is when we go into A106. And this was a building that was built in 1982. And yes, that's back when Uncle Rico of Napoleon Dynamite was throwing footballs over mountains. But 1982, let's take a journey to A106. We're walking, we're walking, here we go. You see it, it's, it's right out there on the left as you exit. And I want you to look for some clues, all right? So you see those partitions, you see the existing tracks. Okay, we're gonna zoom in or we're gonna tilt the camera up. And uh, I love this because now you can see a trace of another track that split that room in half. And I want you to understand, this, is, this represents the make it happen mentality of Fruit Cove Baptist Church. Because you see, from 1982 uh, until the church was in a position to build what is now uh, Building B, this housed our preschool and elementary ministry areas. In that space, the Lord has been so good to this church. As you drive home today, especially if you're 10, 15 miles away from where we're at, uh, there's a good chance you're gonna drive by another church or two or 10. And there's some incredible churches doing some incredible things in our community, but I'm convinced that no church has been blessed like Fruit Cove Baptist Church over the past few years with the number of preschoolers and kids that are now a regular part of our ministry. And this church has always had a make it happen mentality. That's one thing that attracted me when I was doing research and doing the initial interviews uh, about coming here. I, I was told of the early days at the fire station, the old fire station across from Alpine Groves Park. Some of you were there, some of you heard that. Many of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? Go to Highway 13, Alpine Groves on the right, 
old abandoned fire station on the left, Fruit Cove Baptist Church met in the bays of those fire trucks. Some incredible stories when uh, teachers were teaching kids on the flannel boards and a, a call would come in and they'd have to take the, the board off the fire truck so the fireman could go to the call. Incredible, make it happen mentality. And then make it happen. We're gonna build our first building in and, and 1982 and uh, we, we got the uh, old school arc, uh, accordion partitions and our preschool is going to be in here and our kids are going to be in here. And then after a few, man, they're just, they're banging on the partitions. They're exploding with growth. It's a make it happen mentality and church. We've got to get back to that make it happen mentality for the continued growth. I hope you did pick up one of these on the way in. We're gonna, we're gonna look through this here in a second. If you're watching online or listening on the radio, you can access our discipleship pathway at fruitcove.com pathway. And again, our a definition of a disciple is one who acts and thinks like Christ, one who recognizes and responds to God's will on a daily basis. And I want us to look at the first two pages in here. Uh, we're gonna look at our preschool and kids ministry areas. And we'll look at students and adults and as we, as we go through this series, but today we kick it off with preschool and kids. And so uh, look there at the top. In preschool, we begin the journey of partnering with parents as they embrace the role of primary discipler of their children. The, ch the church, we're, we're not discipling, we're partnering in discipleship. And we wanna equip parents. And here's, here's how we do that. We want preschoolers to recognize, and we believe they can, that God can be trusted, God is a person, and Jesus wants me to, uh, Jesus loves me and wants me to love others. We want preschoolers to respond by hearing God's word, knowing God's word, or excuse me, hearing the Bible, learning to pray, and understanding authority. And we have some opportunities like connect groups and mission friends and choir and VBS and mom to mom. And then the milestone for that ministry area, we, we saw just a couple weeks ago one of these, a Christian family commissioning. And some of you were a part of that. And then uh, look at the second page, children. Kids, we want to partner with parents to provide a clear path for kids to see the whole story of God in Scripture. And here's where they recognize, they, they hear God's Word, know God's Word, they do God's Word, and they respond to that by living godly lives, learning and loving Him, and they prepare to lead in the next generation. And there, there's the opportunities, connect groups, Kids Cove Worship, uh, Kids Midweek, Kids Camp, Family Mission Trips, and the Milestones, uh, 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 Bible ceremony and a new Christian class for those children who decide to follow Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Each Sunday, it takes a small army to pull these ministries off with excellence. It takes, at minimum, 75 adults in our preschool ministry area, 75. It takes at least 55 in our kids' ministry areas. 130 volunteers each and every Sunday, at minimum, to pull off ministry. If you are one of those leaders in preschool or elementary, would you stand right now? Would you, would you stand up if you work in preschool or elementary? Thank you guys for what you do. Thank you. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ, and therefore we are called to make more disciples by sharing the good news with others and teaching them to obey the commands of Christ. And we are to send disciples to make sure as many people as possible have an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. 
In closing, I wanna share about an experience I had two summers ago. I had the opportunity to spend a few days in Dubois, Wyoming. Dubois is a town in the northwest section of the state. It's close to some places you're probably familiar with. Maybe you've been there. It's an hour and a half from Yellowstone National Park. It's an hour and a half from Grand Tetons, an hour and a half from Jackson Hole. And Dubois is one of the towns I lived in as a young boy. We moved away and I had not been back there in over 40 years until this trip two years ago. Uh, there was a lot I wanted to see. I wanted to see if my memories matched with reality and most of them did. I remember the river that ran through town and uh, uh, the mountains. And I also wanted to check in on the church. My dad helped start a church there and I wanted to see how it was going. What was Wilderness Baptist Church when we left is now Mountain Grace Church. It's the uh, same church, they, did, they just changed the name. It's the largest church in town now. Uh, it's the, the largest church, it's the third largest building behind the school, and the school is uh, just like a little house on the prairie, K through 12, but it's a big building. They play six-man football there, guys, six-man football, and they score like 80 points a game. Um, so the school and the grocery store, the local IGA, and then the third largest building is Mountain Grace Church. It's also the most populated, the most attended church in the area. And before I left Dubois, I had an opportunity to have breakfast with Pastor Rudy. He was a lead pastor. And uh, we had breakfast at a diner called the Village Cafe. It's good stuff. Uh, and I was able to share with him that as I went around town those, those few days, uh, as people asked me, who I was, what I was doing, what my favorite college football team, no, they didn't ask me that. Um, uh, I was able to share a little bit of my story growing up there as a young boy, my dad helped start the church. And when, when the conversation went to Mountain Grace Church and Pastor Rudy, without fail, even if they didn't go to that church, they had very positive things to say about the church and about Pastor Rudy. And so I had shared that with, with Pastor Rudy and he starts tearing up across the breakfast table, just tearing up. And he said, Jonathan, you have come at a good time. And I have no idea what was going on in his life. I still, still don't know, but he, he was obviously encouraged by what I was sharing with him. And then he began, he told me why he came to Dubois. And he said, Jonathan, I came to Dubois to die. I have a health condition and I, I couldn't live in my previous state and, and be healthy, and so I came for the dry, arid climate. God still had a call in my life to preach, and, and I found Mountain Grace, and, and here we are. He said he was gonna pastor that church and lead that church until it was time for him to, to depart earth. He shared with me about four men he had been discipling uh, to be leaders in his church and area church plants. Three months after that breakfast, I got word that Pastor Rudy had passed away. And I flash back to that conversation at the breakfast diner. I'm pretty sure we both thought when he said he came to Wyoming to die, <laughs> that that would be certainly 15, 20, 25 years down the road. I may have been one of the last people to speak encouragement into his life before he got sick. Last summer, I was back in Dubois. I liked it so much, I went back. Uh, and this time I took my family. It was our family vacation. I took Kimberly and Laney. I wanted them uh, to see one of the places I lived as a boy, and one of those men that Rudy told me about, Larry Wilkie, is now the lead pastor of Mountain Grace Church, 
And I met another guy named Tom Lucas, who was helping revitalize another church in the area. You see, Rudy was a disciple. Rudy made other disciples. Rudy sent disciples out. And here's a question I want you to be thinking about, church. What will be your disciple-making legacy? Moms and dads, yours begins in your home. Grandparents, don't you wanna have a reputation like Timothy's grandmother? Many of you in this room are already serving in one of our ministry areas, or perhaps you're not right now and looking for a place to plug in. And I want you to know that as you leave, there are members of our preschool and kids ministry teams uh, that are at the This Week at Fruit Cove column. They would love to talk to you about some things that are taking place in those ministries and some opportunities for you to think through and pray through uh, possibly serving there. I'd like to end by quoting one of the great thought leaders of the 20th century, a guy named Ferris Bueller. <laughs> Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. Look around and you will see a church that is moving forward you will see a church that is engaging our community with the gospel. Where can you plug in to make and send disciples? Will your name be mentioned in gospel history alongside Paul, Timothy, Eunice, and Lois? Or will you be in the category of Timothy's dad? We don't even know his name because Obviously, he was not that involved in discipling his own son. May Fruitco Baptist Church be known as a church that focuses on being, making, and sending disciples. That's what God's word has called us to do. We're getting ready to sing a song, and we call it the invitation. And here's why we call it that. It's because you're invited to come as God has been working in your life, maybe for months, years, weeks, maybe today, God is speaking to you clearly that you need to make a decision. For some in this room, you may need to say, hey, I, I, I want and need to become a follower of Jesus. I wanna give my life to Jesus and start that discipleship pathway you're talking about. Maybe you have chosen to follow Jesus, you've, you've asked for forgiveness of your sins and you've claimed Jesus as Lord and your Savior, but you, you have not been baptized yet. Maybe that's your next step. Or perhaps you've been hanging out with us for a while and you wanna say today, hey, I, I wanna join Fruco Baptist Church. I wanna be a part of this disciple-making focus. Whatever your decision is, we're gonna stand in a moment and we're gonna sing one song and I encourage you to come. I'll be here, some encouragers we had, uh, uh, lady at 9.30 come and make a decision for baptism. We'd love to talk with you and help you on your next step. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And thank you for people of faith like Eunice and Lois, Paul and Timothy. And God, I, I pray that uh, your word has spoken clearly to all of us today. And if there's the decision that someone needs to make to follow you, to be baptized, 
to join our church. I pray, God, that uh, they would have the courage and boldness to do that this morning. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand as we sing, and as we sing, if you have a decision.